0: As we continue this series, All In, I want to, I want to take a few moments this morning and I want to talk to you about living this life that has no regrets. And that's really what we find the statement that, that Paul says and that, and that God, through the wonderful anointing of His Holy Spirit, speaks to us through His Word this morning. Be very careful then how you live or let there be an intentionality to your steps. you ever found yourself in that situation where you had to be very thoughtful of your steps? I have to tell you, I have become uh, addicted to the television show American Ninja Warrior. One of the, one of the finals, they have like 8,000 finals, and it was one of the finals and, and one of the, one of the top females right out of the gate, okay, she's running, she grabs the rope and she swings across this abyss. Uh, on the rope, she gets to the other side easily, but somehow she had managed to get tangled in the rope. And this girl who was expected to be one of the top competitors to, to move on from the city finals to the national finals, at the very beginning, she's out. Why? Because of some silly little mishap over and over again, we find the, in the Word of God, it talks to us about living our lives in such a way. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? Right? We're told in, in 1 Corinthians, run in such a way as to receive that prize. Run in such a way that you don't find yourself disqualified. What, is, what does it mean to live a life with intentionality. Well, I, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that, that Paul unpacks it perfectly here in Ephesians chapter 5, and he gives to us the keys of, of living a no-regrets life. And, and first, this idea of be very careful then how you live, that, that, we, that we live our life purposefully. The wisest man to ever live, Solomon, said this in Proverbs chapter 14, he says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is a deception. Let me give that to you again, because I I believe that it's profound. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. We know this, that before the foundations of the world came to be, God knew you. We're told that He, He knows our steps, that He orders our steps, that He, that He knows the number of our days. When we we look at God's approach to every aspect of creation and to every element of the human journey, we see this. We see profound intentionality with what God does. And and if, and if we were created by a God that demonstrates profound intentionality, and if we are protected and provided for by a God that is very intentional in His steps, then it would make sense that we would live our lives with significant intentionality. Now, I believe that there are some areas of our life that we do that, that we're very intentional about what we do. We are, many of us, we're very intentional about our career path. We know this, that if we, if we get into this school and we, we manage to get an internship at this company which allows us to land this job, and, and we can look at how we can go sequentially up the corporate ladder and achieve higher levels of success. Or for those of you that are here this morning and you're business owners, no doubt you've got a business plan. And you know exactly what it is that you want to accomplish. We're we're here pretty quickly. We'll be in the fourth quarter of 2018 and you can you can chart the progress of your business and know how things are progressing and you put together your business plan for 2019 you have an idea of how cash flow is going to go you know when you might have to tap into a line of credit or when you can invest in new equipment because we approach it hopefully we approach it with a degree of intentionality with a degree of purpose Uh, The prophet Isaiah says this, listen to me, O Jacob, Israel, whom I have called. I am he, I am the first and I am the last. My own hand laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summon them, they all stand together. God says this, I have put all this wonderfully and perfectly together. And I've done it not by default, I've done it by design. And yet, here's the challenge that I have for you this morning. Far too many of us in areas of our life that really in the grand scheme of things don't matter a whole lot, we have profound intentionality. But in some of the areas of our life that have the greatest significance, namely our spiritual journey, we are much more experiential than we are intentional. Let me say that again, we are much more experiential than we are intentional, and yet God's Word says this, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most or leveraging opportunity for the days are evil. That we are not supposed to be foolish, and we're not supposed to live our lives as so many of those around us live our lives. We're supposed to live our lives with a sense of purpose. Purpose. With a, with a sense of destiny, living our life purposefully. That's the, that's the key to a, a no regrets life. No doubt you've heard this comment. It's been made many times, but it's, it's worthy to repeat here that, that there are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen, but, but many live their life wondering what happened. And friend, the life that God has for you, and this is, this is so very important to grasp, the life that God has for you, God does not want you to live your life by default. He wants you to live your life by design because, see, God hasn't called you to simply survive. God hasn't hasn't engineered the activities of your life in order for you to be successful. Here's God's heart towards you. God wants you to live this life of significance. You have great value. Let me say that again. You have incredibly great value. Now, the enemy would like to convince you that you are inconsequential, that you do not matter, that you're insignificant. And friends, that is absolutely untrue. It is a fallacy, and it's a fallacy that all too often keeps us bound. And because we have great significance, and because we have great value, there should be some intentionality. In in our household, if if you were to come over to our house and, and open up our cupboards or open up our refrigerator, there's a lot of food that you can just, it's there to snack on. But there are some things that if you were to open up the cupboard, if you were to open up the refrigerator, and if you were to go, at least this is the… I I don't know if it works this way in your house, this is the way it works in my house. Don't don't touch that. Uh, Don't touch that. (laughs) I have… I have plans for that. No, 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 no. Hey, don't… don't mess with that. that. That's for something important, that's for something special. And here's what I've found, here's what I have learned, if I'm a little bit patient and I allow the intended use to come to fruition, oh, I'm usually, I'm usually uh, blessed and rewarded for allowing that item to be used with its intentionality, right? Because it's one thing to get into the cupboard and get into some chocolate. It's another thing to enjoy this scrumptious, amazing dessert that has the chocolate in it. Oftentimes, what we can do is we can short circuit a great plan when we misuse something that has a different intended purpose. Friends, if we think that is true with a piece of baked good, how much more is it true about a life? Yeah, that is, come on, that, that's, that's, that, that's, that's, worthy of giving God praise this morning. Let me let me pause and say this, that I am, There are some things in life that I'm driven about. And one of the things that, that drives me is this, and, and uh, I want to, I want to challenge you to, to have some intentionality about September 9th, about friend day. And for us, it's, it's not about having more people in our church. It is about helping these 1.9 million unchurched people in Orlando experience the power, the grace, the peace of God. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we live in an area that really needs Jesus. It it really does. You look at at the the, the amount of people that are living in in abject poverty, the the amount of people that are living profoundly unhappy, the the tremendous amount of crime that we have in our area, the fact that, that in many respects, it seems like we live in an angry community. Orlando needs to experience the joy of the Lord, just pour over it. It needs to experience the peace of God, just envelop it. And friends, For that to happen, it requires the body of Christ to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And that will not happen if we don't do it with intent, if we don't do it with purpose. So even now, even this morning, I want to encourage you to say, God, help me to understand who it is that you want to work through me in the coming weeks to help connect into a life-giving relationship with you. And then let there be some intentionality to your steps. Let there be some purpose to your interactions. There's something that happens when we live life on purpose. Beyond Orlando, 16,000 children will die today of starvation around the world. I'm going to give that number to you again because I want it to sink in. 16,000 children will die. It is the equivalent of just under 50 747s falling out of the sky. Now, let me ask you a question. If one 747 were were to go down today, would it make national news, international news? Absolutely. And yet, there is nothing that will be said today, no one will report on those 16,000 souls that will step from time into eternity, many of them having never heard the name of Jesus. It is why, as a church, we are unapologetic about talking about not just reaching our neighbors, but we talk about reaching nations. And today, what what you just did in, in returning God's tithe to him and giving offerings, friends, the sun never sets on the ministries of Calvary because of our missionaries that are proclaiming the reality of God's love around the world, some of them in very dangerous and very dark places. And and we do this purposefully, we, we do it strategically. And we do it intentionally. Why? Because the love of God compels us. And, and, and it's not just about living purposefully, it's, it's about living passionately. Living passionately. There, there being a, a sense of, of energized activity in what we do, a heart tug and who we are. I was, I was grateful to have Dr. Rutland with us a few weeks ago, and, and he talked about David. And David, the story of David, is marked much more by David's courage than his talent, or, or really much more by David's courage than even his calling by God. David's talent would have never been discovered. David's abilities would have never risen to the surface were it not for his courage. But, but understand this, and, and here's, here's, I want you to, I want you to grab this, that, that there's a difference between being courageous and being careless. Let me say this again. That God wants us to live our life purposefully, and He wants us to live our life passionately or courageously. And oftentimes what will happen is we'll mistakenly think that being passionate, being courageous means to live with a reckless abandon, and and that's not what it means. See, this idea of marrying or partnering, living purposefully and living passionately That's what positions us to live this no regrets kind of life. God, I am all in with your plan and I am all in with all of my heart knowing at times that means that I've got to to move in spite of the danger and God, sometimes my courage says this, that I need to move slowly and let you take the lead knowing that you go before me And sometimes you will give me strength in the battle, and sometimes, just as Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4.20, we can stand our ground knowing that our God will fight for us. But there there is something to be said to living life purposefully, living life with this understanding in my head that, God, you order my steps. Right? After, After the service this morning, there's a there's some folks that are set up in the lobby, and they're there, uh, and they're, they're selling Bibles. And here's the reason why. Uh, No doubt, 99% of the people in the room here today, you own a Bible. But here's, here's really my prayer for the church, is that we become people that, that, that progressively go deeper and deeper and deeper into the Word of God and of all of the bibles that i have in my library my by far my favorite bible is the fire bible in fact we believe so much in the fire bible that every year and we'll do it again in december every year we we receive an offering to purchase this bible in a different language for pastors around the world that have no Bible. And if I could put one Bible into an individual's hand, if I could put one Bible into a pastor's hand, it would be this fire Bible. Because it's not just the translation of the Word of God, but it's also the study notes that come along with it. And so, a couple of months ago, I was talking with the gentleman who who is, who is over this project of seeing Bibles go into pastor's hands around the world. And I, I find myself at a place of pause, and I said, Ed, if, if you believe that it's important for pastors around the world to have this Bible because you believe it is an essential tool, why then would you not make it available to your church family? And so, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that when you go out in the lobby today that there are, there will there are, be fire Bibles available to purchase, okay? The church is not making any money on those Sales. In fact, we're selling them to you for what we purchase them for. It doesn't even cover our shipping costs. The whole reason to have them here is to get these Bibles into your hands, because I want you to have the best tools possible, because I want you to live this thing purposefully, and I want you to, to live it passionately. I also want you to live in God's timing. and the notes, because I wanted the alliteration to flow, I, I put it this way, I want you to live patiently. And, and, and it's not, patience isn't just about a pause, patience is saying this, okay, God, I'm going to be in the place that you want me at the place that you want me. It's not always easy. In fact, I, I, I want this. Do you have a microphone? Um, Scott, where are you? Scott. I want to introduce you to Scott. Scott, let's look. Let, 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 so, um, good morning. How are you? Good. I'm fine. You're looking good today. Not as good as you. So, you know what? So, I have a shirt similar to this, but I, I got so much abuse wearing that shirt. Uh, uh, the shirt, kind of cool, kind of light blue shirt with some flowers on it. People made fun of my masculinity when I wore that shirt. The shirt and yet you the somehow shirt, could
1: pull it off. My shirt keeps their eyes off my bald head. Come on now.
0: <laughs> so, um, Scott, I, I, thanks for being willing to come up here this morning, by the way. Yeah. Um, we're talking about this issue this morning of living a life with no regrets, and, and, and talking about this issue of living intentionally. And uh, I, I wanted to talk with you this morning, because you really, you've had an interesting life journey. And uh, so, where are you from originally?
1: Uh, Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles, California. Correct. And uh, married? Married, five kids. Married, five children. Next year will be 20 years married. Wow.
0: Tw- uh, uh, 20 years marriage, five kids. Yep. You live out blessed as the man whose quiver is full. Yes. Right. So, number six, seven, eight.
1: Five. If you can just enough. see the
0: look in his eyes, right there.
1: Five's enough.
0: I saw. I saw fear. I saw fear creeping. A little bit of fear. Um. So. You. Um. You're in the banking industry. Correct. correct. Yes, sir. So uh, how did you end up in the banking industry? And then do this. I want you to talk about, I want you to take a few minutes. I want you to talk about uh, how you ended up in the banking industry and then uh, um, what life is like for you now and, and, and how, how
1: you knew that God was ordering those steps. Sure, sure. Well, no regrets means to live a life of being all in. And so about 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago this year, I find myself in a very dark place. I was a regional sales manager for a brand or a company that if I mentioned it, you would know, and I ran three or four of those locations, and at 27 years old, I was making six figures. My wife was able to stay home with the children, and uh, I was able to hide behind the career that God had blessed me with. Sometimes we get to hide behind the very thing that God puts on our life, and so I found myself 10 years ago in a dark, cold hospital room. I was laying there by myself, strapped to the bed, and the doctors didn't know what was going on. I had woke up that morning with extreme chest pain. As a young man, I thought I was going, I was having a heart attack. And so my wife took me to the hospital, and as they strapped me to the bed, they told me that I had PE, or pulmonary embolisms. So I had over seven blood clots in my left lung. They told my wife to say her goodbyes, They told my wife to call my family to come say their goodbyes. So that evening, my mother from Los Angeles flew all the way to Kentucky at the time is where we lived uh, to to say goodbye to her eldest son. And so in that moment, the Holy Spirit that night come into that hospital bed, kind of like he did this morning during worship, And as he hovered over that bed, you have to understand, I had been saved for 10 years. I had gone to Bible school. I went to a very Pentecostal Bible school, so I knew what it meant to be flowing in the gifts and understanding that God still heals people. Did you hear what I said? God still heals people. God still delivers people. God still saves people. But what happened that night was the Holy Spirit, he came in just like he did this morning, and I thought he was coming in to comfort me. Because at 30 years old, when you're laying on your deathbed and your wife has said her goodbyes and your mother's on her way to say her goodbyes, you start to think about all the regrets you have. Yeah. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit so gently said this, if your life was taken from you tonight, would you have accomplished everything I asked you to do? And at that moment, with every regret in my mind, going through Bible school, being saved in the 90s, right after high school, seeing visions and dreams of crusades and stadiums full of people, I said, Lord, if you take me off this bed, I'll live all in.
0: Isn't it it amazing how in those moments that... The excuses and rationalizations that we'll use when we're just going through life, how those excuses and rationalizations, rationalizations, they just seem to ring really hollow.
1: Yes, because in life we hide behind the blessing. (laughs) I was going to church. I was saved. My eternity was secure. But there was so much regret because I knew God had so much more for me. So many of you here this morning, you're sitting here going, I'm saved. I know if I would die today, I'm going to heaven. But God has told me I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I've seen this, and I've seen my son or my daughter doing these things. But you find you're at a place where you're like, I'm not willing to go all in. If there's regrets in a relationship, if there's regrets in a career, if there's regrets in your life, it's because in those areas of your life, you've not gone all in. So I hid behind God's favor. He, he gave me favor on my life. He puts blessings in our life, but at that point, I was able to hide behind it. But that night, I said, I'm no longer hiding behind it but I need you to show me and guide me. And so the last 10 years has been more like a chess match or a checkers match. I'm not a chess guy, I play checkers, I've got five young kids. And so God spoke to me that night and he said, son, make your move. And as I moved and as I did the things God has asked me to do in these last 10 years, I've made a move and then he's made a move and then I've made a move. And the problem with so many young people that I speak to or old people, it doesn't really matter. But in any game, whether it's chess, checkers, you make a move and you have to allow your opponent to move. And where we make the mistake, where we disqualify ourselves is we move and then patience. We lose our patience and we start to see things move and we say, oh wow, I should have positioned myself over there. I should have done this. I should have done that. And instead of making your move and being still and allowing God to move things, we then move again. Well, in any game, pastor, when a person makes two moves without the opponent moving, they've disqualified themselves. But somehow we we get upset with God, like it's His fault. But if you make your move, whether it's today, tomorrow, when you've pushed everything all in with God and you move, if you would just learn what it means to be still, to be still and know that I am God is what the Bible says. Yeah. And as we're still, God begins to move. And the beauty is when He begins to move, and the story, it's a 20-year-old story with my salvation. When He begins to move, then your, your next move is so much more obvious. Yeah. The, 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 the
0: power of a pause is significant. And when we allow ourselves to be patient before the Lord, right? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Uh, but when we when we put ourselves in that place of, of pause, it it allows us to be in a in, in, a, in a in a in a in a in a not not just in a place, but in a position where more often than not, uh, we can receive fresh revelation or a fresh word uh, from the Lord. We sang the song the, this morning just before, just before the sermon, Word of God Speak. And so, in your moment, in that pause, and, uh, and it wasn't a playing pause for you, it was a God made you have to pause, uh, God brought some
1: redirection to your life. What does that look like? Well, today I work for uh, Shake the Nations Ministries. I get to travel the world with the gospel. Some of my staff. So, is that a,
0: I'm just curious because in banking you were, you were, you were already making six, a nice six figure salary. Right. So, Shake the Nation's nice
1: big six figure salary? Uh, no. 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 So, so from the sales, <laughs> just a quick story God healed me. Uh, I was on Blood Thinner Coumadin for five years. After five years, the doctor said, We don't want to know why you had blood clots. You've been on blood thinner, but it's more dangerous to be on a blood thinner and get in a wreck or something like that. So since the clots never returned, they took me off of that. But a month after I got out of the hospital, my son ended up in the hospital. And so it's really a two-point encounter, if you would like to call it, for lack of a better term. But I went all in that night at that hospital bed, but I found myself not a month later in another hospital room with my son getting diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And type 1 diabetes, without the hand of the Lord, it will not go away. It's not something you outgrow. And so in that hospital room, uh, I didn't make a deal with God that day. But I told the devil, whether you kill my son, you kill me. While I'm still here, I'm going for it. Yeah. I've made this move of going all yeah. in. So that evening, I was spending my time with the Lord praying. And God said, you need to change jobs. You need to shift what you're doing, you can't continue. You can't expect God to change your life and continue to do the same thing. Yeah. So He said you're going to make this shift. The hard-headed person I am, I said, God, I'll change jobs, I'll move, but I'm not going to make the move. I'm not going to put any applications in. I'm not going to go on Google. I'm not going to start searching things. But if you present me with a job, I'll take it. So the bank. Long story short, a man from a bank came. He offered me a job. Uh, the beauty of this uh, part of the story is I went to lunch with the vice president of Fifth Third Bank in Cincinnati, Ohio. We met, we, I was able to share, and at this point I'm on fire for God. I'm kind of back in my roots and my Brownsville days and sharing the gospel and giving testimonies and telling people what I believe. And So we're sitting at lunch and he hands me an offer that I thought was pretty much a joke. So then I thought, well, Lord, why do you have me here? And so I just started sharing Jesus with this vice president. And before we were done at the table, he's crying his eyes out. We've prayed for his son that has autism. And so I leave that going, this is why we've met. And so I said, I have to respectfully turn this job down, but um, thank you so much, you know, and I believe this is why we've met. So you can have an encounter with God and God can change your life. So I go home and I'm trying to tell my wife, and I say, honey, you know, it was a great meeting. This guy had this vice president, and he was crying at lunch. And she said, well, did you get the job? And I said, honey, did you hear what I said? It's not about the job. This guy was crying his eyes out at lunch, vice president of a bank, and uh, this is why we met, because I'm looking at that number going, there's no possible way part of the story, and, and if you look at me and go, wow, I'd like to do that, I'd like to be a part of something like that, I'm just a product of a faithful wife's prayer. Yeah. Because she's prayed for me, she's had faith in me when I've not had faith in myself. And so when I got home and we were sharing, I was getting a little frustrated, and finally she said, well, why did he not offer you the job? What, what's going on? And I said, Babe, he offered the job, but there's no way we can afford what they've offered. And she said, well, what they offer you? What would you offer you? And I said, baby, it doesn't matter. And well, what would they offer you? So I, I told her what they offered me. It was a little less than half of what I was currently making. And she started to cry. And she said, Scott, today I've been praying. And he told me that he was going to offer you the job. And so I started to balance our books and look at what we owe and see things. If we were to sell our car, this is what we would need. And it was about $200, $300 less than they offered me. And so I was like, oh, no, (laughs) I've already turned this thing down. So the next day I called this guy and I said, look, I went home, told him the story about what my wife had said, and I said, I'd love to take the job. And it took about two weeks. They worked something out, but when they called, they actually ended up giving me more than he offered, but it was more than enough. And so the shift that occurred that put me into banking, we had to make some other choices. We had to make some sacrifice we had to sell a car we're a family of four at the time and we had one vehicle we had to turn cable off we didn't have 250 channels like most people in america and so there was some things we had to do to enable god to put us where he needed us to be and within a year of switching jobs i was on my first crusade with evangelist nathan morris which would be 10 years next year Hmm. and so i took that first trip and god placed me in a position on a crusade field where I went with this evangelist. He had come to the church, and he just tore the church up. And I said, I want to be like that. I want that type of Christianity. I don't want to talk about things. I don't want to talk about people getting out of wheelchairs. I don't want to talk about uh, the blind eyes opening or the deaf ears popping open or the lame walking. I want to live it. I don't want to talk about the old greats. I want to be a part of something that it's happening as we speak. Yeah. And so we go to the first crusade, and he's preaching his guts out the way he does. And then at the end, he says, all right, guys, go pray for the sick. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I like this front row. I'll cheer you on, but you're the evangelist, not me. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 I can't come off the platform. You guys need to go pray for the sick. And so the first lady I walked up to, she didn't have a headache. She didn't have you know, arthritis, pain in her hips. This woman had been hit by a car and was carried in on crutches, was laying on a mat. And as I began to pray for her, God touched this woman. And I have those crutches in my garage in Mount Dora, Florida today, as a remembrance for myself that as I go all in, when I go all in, God's all in with me. You're not alone, you're not by yourself. It's a long way from Fifth Third Bank, by the way. Yeah. It was Kenya, Africa. Yeah. (laughs) So I stayed at the bank, and a long story short, ten years later, I've been with the ministry now full-time for just under three years. Yeah. We've gone all over the world. Just in the last three or four weeks, in America, we've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We've seen a, a young girl in Miami. She had cut herself and had scars up and down both arms. And uh, Nathan said, I believe there's someone in the building where God's going to start removing the scars that are in your life. And he says, if that's you, come. We want to pray for you. And as this girl comes up, she starts screaming and crying. And she gets to the platform we you say, what's God doing? And she said, when you said that God was going to remove the scars, I looked at my arms and the scars had vanished from my arms. Yeah. That's in America. Yeah. That's not in some third world country. I mean, that's here in Florida that's happening. Right now, and I get to be a part of it. But it's because there was a night that God came to me, and I went all in. And I
0: love so much about your story. But one of the things, one of the comments that you made that just really resonated was the idea that when the when this fifth third executive, when he presented the offer to you, that that in your in your own understanding, it was not enough. Correct. And yet, God had already made sure that you had more than enough. Yes. And honestly, that's what… the enemy so often will do that. The enemy will try to convince us that we have not quite enough, right? Or that, or that somehow there's lack in our life. When, when in reality, when we look at it not from our lens, but we look at it from the God lens, God says this, not only do you have enough, but God is always a God of margin. Let me say that again. God is God doesn't give us just enough. God always gives margin. In fact, it's a it's an issue of abundance, right? God allows us to, to live our life in abundance, and so you didn't have just enough. You had you had margin. You had extra. Yes. Right. And that's what that's what that's what I, Jody and I have found that we we have found you know we I, we have similar stories uh, in 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 many inter, inter, intersects. Uh, And it seemed crazy when we made the step from being in the computer industry to going into ministry, the numbers just didn't add up. Mm. And yet, God has always come through
1: when we we live this all-in, no-regrets life with Him. The surprising thing for me for the last two years before we came to Florida, I was in Kentucky. I was working at the bank. I was an associates kind of pastor without that title, but I was running around the church, in church four days a week. And so what happened was, as we would sit down and do bills, you could what's coming in and what's going out, it's a very easy equation, but it never added up. But we always had enough. Yeah. I can't tell you that it was so-and-so came in and did this, or so-and-so came and did that. We, don't, we couldn't tell you how it became enough, but we never, we never missed a payment, we were never short, we never went without food or clothes. In, in the last five years, I've been given four vehicles. Yeah. I mean, we're driving two of them now. Um, I was given nice vehicles. I was given a Cadillac Escalade. I was given a Range, a Range Rover. Uh, currently, I drive a 2004 Dodge truck that was given to me when we came to Florida. We were given a wonderful 2006 Honda Odyssey Touring model when it was like two years old. So, I mean, God will bless you. When you're faithful, yeah. you think you're making a sacrifice, but you're not making a sacrifice. You're just making mo- a room for God to move in your life. Yeah. And so you talk about this pause and that pause that came into my life, it wasn't a pause of reflection. It, it, it was a God-given pause. It kind of makes me think of Jonah, yeah. you know, swallowed up by that whale. Um, but in that belly of that whale, there was that time where he was able to reflect and some, be- some people here this morning, you're gonna think, why does God, God's really not worried about me? Why does God seem to place so much attention on one person? Or why would he pay his attention to me? Because there's a multitude of people behind you that he wants to reach through you. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. We get so caught up in ourselves, and it's not really about us, it's about all the people behind us that God wants to touch through us. Yeah. The people that I can touch, Pastor Ed can't get to those people because right. they're in my circle. I can't get to the people that, serve, that you can get to, but that's why God touches you. Yeah. That's why I had an encounter because he knew where I would be standing today and that I'd have the opportunity to share that somehow this story would touch you in a way that you would move all in. That you would continue your life without regrets. Don't wait till you're on top of some hospital bed, friend. I'm telling you, that's not the place that you want to have your reflection time. But Jonah was running. There's people that hide. The Bible's a great great book of pursuit. I don't know if you remember in the 90s, there was a great book that came out, God Chasers. Yeah, yeah, Tony's book. Right, Tommy Tenney, read it, loved it. It's a great book. It's about prayer and fasting and seeking God. But when I read the Bible, I don't see a bunch of people chasing after God. I see God chasing after a bunch of different people. That's right. Yeah. We serve a God that pursues us in the very beginning. God sought after Adam. Yeah. It said that they had heard him walking in the garden and they hid So there's so many people that hide. I told you I was hiding behind a career that as a 27-year-old man making six figures and your wife gets to stay home, we lived on a street where the people wouldn't even talk to us because they were mad at us because we were the youngest. We didn't have kids at the time. This is their third and fourth home, and this is our first home. We built it. And they're like, how does this kid have what I've worked my whole life for? And we lived in the cul-de-sac where they had all the barbecues and the get-togethers and they wouldn't even invite us and we're sitting in the house going, what the heck's going on? And then you have a guy like Jonah that's running from the call. Yeah. So many of us run from the call. I was running from the call as I hid behind a career. Yeah. But that, that pause in my life, that whale swallowing me up. Then you get into the New Testament, Zacchaeus up in a tree, and Jesus comes to him, and Mary, I, I don't know if you saw it in the Bible, but did she turn in a resume to become yeah. the mother of Jesus? Yeah. No, she didn't. He came to her. He's coming to you. During worship, God's moving. Yeah. He's not moving for his sake. He's moving for your sake. He's not waiting for us. Or we're not waiting for him, he's waiting for us. Yeah. He's looking for a response. A sacrifice always requests a response. It demands a response. But we sit in our chairs and we clap our hands and we we stomp our feet and we get a little excited. But he's waiting for us. Yep.
0: And that move that move from that move from, from living an experience to shifting to intentionality. Okay, God, I'm going to live my life purposefully. I'm going to live my life passionately. God, I'm going to live my life patiently, letting, letting you be the one that orders my steps. That's what, that's what positions us to see God do the incredible and the impossible in our life. Well, um, I want you to do this. Before you, before you go, I want you to take a moment, because you guys have an event coming up. Yes. Uh, the end of the month in uh, Ormond Beach. Take a, take, a real, take a moment to finish that, and then I'm going to finish this
1: sermon. Okay, awesome. Well, Labor Day weekend is coming up. It's two weeks away. We'd love everyone to be involved. Evangelist Nathan sends his regards. Like I said, I'm part of Shake the Nations Ministries. If you go to shakethenations.com, you'll find it. I'll be in the lobby after church, but we do have an event, like Pastor Ed said. It's Labor Day weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to have guest speakers with John Kilpatrick, Michael Koulianos. Uh, Nathan Morris, Jim Raley, uh Daniel Colenda from CFAN is going to be there. So, again, with this being our home church and with your your blessing, I just wanted to make that offer to you guys. It's totally free for you guys. People are paying $40 a seat to get in. But anyone that signs up today, I would love to just take care of that fee for you as a son of the house. So thank you so much, Pastor. We love you. Thank you for Thanks, everything.
0: Scott. Thank you for sharing. and so, here's the here's reason why I love, and, and, and you talking about that, it fits so ideally into the end of the message this morning. There, there, it, I believe it's important that we have the, these moments in our life where we allow ourselves to be in God's presence where we can be re-energized. Because living, living a no-regrets life is this, it's living purposefully. There being an intention about what we do. It's, it's living passionately. God, I, I'm going to operate in courage. God, I'm, I'm going I'm to move forward. It's, it's living patiently. Y- using, the, using the example of, of David again. Here's what's interesting to me, the story of David. When, when, when David faces Goliath, David is there with the king. The king puts, they, put, puts his armor on David. David tries to move around, says, this doesn't work. I can't move in this. But before David goes to the battle, he walks into this stream. And, and it tells us in, in 1 Samuel 17, it says that he selects five smooth stones. Goliath is out there railing in the valley of Elah, and David knows this, he can't just run to the battle, he has to stop, he has to pause, and he has to, with purposeful intentionality, he has to choose five smooth stones. Really, he only needed one. I don't know why he chose five, but five smooth stones. And then when he steps out into the out into the battle, Goliath is offended, right? He says, What, am I a dog? Did you send a boy out after me? He says, Come here. Come here, you little punk. It's, it's, it's the second time in the story that, that David is being demeaned, right? Early in the story, his brother Eliab says, You are a spoiled brat. And Goliath says, come here David, today I'm going to feed your flesh to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And, And David says this, he says, listen, big guy, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the power of Almighty God and today God's going God's to give you into my hands and I'm going to feed your flesh to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air to where all of the Philistines and everyone assembled here and everyone will know that it is not by might that the Lord saves, that it is by His Spirit. And you know what's interesting to me? It's interesting to me that that so often we live our lives running here and there, we live our lives with focused determination in our career, in our relationships, in our finances, even in our recreation. I watched as my neighbors yesterday were preparing to go to the beach, and I watched as they were putting all of the stuff in their car. And I thought to myself, God, let there be, in my church family, let there be the same amount of intentionality when we are going to the house of the Lord as there is in our approach to our recreation. Because I'm convinced of this. Listen, I'm convinced that God's word is true when it says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See, God wants you to live a life of purpose. He wants you to live a life of intentionality. He wants you to live a life of power. He wants each one of us to live a life of no regrets. How does that happen? Living purposefully, living passionately, living patiently. He says, the end of that portion of Scripture in Ephesians 5, so don't get drunk on wine, which simply leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit.